Welcome to Trilla Talk. This podcast is dedicated to topics that we think are important to the profession of medical writing. Our goal is to bring topical issues to the forefront and hopefully spark conversation in a wider domain about these issues. I'm Julia Friyanich Klapra, and I'm here today with Morris Leuvens, who is a medical writing manager at Trilogy Writing and Consulting. And we're going to be talking today about clinical summaries for an oncology dossier with the goal of giving some tips and tricks to keep in mind when you're writing these. So welcome. Good to have you here today with me, Morris. Thanks, Julius. Lovely to be here. So the topic for this podcast might seem oddly specific. I can imagine people are thinking, hmm, writing clinical summaries for an oncology dossier. But What's interesting, I think, is, is or, or why this is relevant, is oncology is one of the most common areas of drug development in the pharmaceutical industry. In 2020, uh, the majority of new drugs that were approved by the FDA were actually cancer treatments. And so that means a lot of writers and teams are going to be involved in writing documents to support oncology dossiers. And so I know you and I were speaking recently about this topic and how um, you mentioned to me that when you first started writing in the oncology area, you realized there were a lot of things that you wished you'd known before you started working on these documents. And I thought, yeah, okay, let's talk about this. So what were some of the, the things that you stumbled over? So I think the, the first thing, Having spent 10 years in medical writing, but none in oncology, of mm. course, the first thing to get used to was the specific terminology um, used in oncology trials and the fairly specific endpoints, so the progression-free, survival, duration of response, all that sort of thing, trying yeah, to yeah. get your head around that at the start. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. There's a lot of acronyms. And I know that the common mistake that medical writers make who haven't worked in oncology before is using SD for standard deviation. But in oncology, of course, it's stable disease. And, and there's all these classic little things that have to do with the acronyms and the, and the terminology. Um, and I think yeah. when, you, when you walk into the, the project teams and they're talking away and they're so into their topic that they're talking away in all these acronyms and you have to, have to sort of take a step back and understand what they're talking about yeah. you have to, you have to learn the oncology language yeah exactly yeah. yeah absolutely so so that's clearly one but I think that's something I, I guess a writer can can figure out pretty quickly you can make some lists of the acronyms and have them sitting beside you while you're in the meetings and things like that um what else I remember you talking about the, the idea of cancer being something that happens over the long term and so there are implications already from the studies. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So you have this sort of unusual situation where the, the studies can run for long periods of time, whereas the, the cancer treatments are moving, the world of the cancer treatments are moving so quickly. So assumptions right. that are made when the trials are set up, are the, mm -hmm. when the time you get to the submission is completely different. So mm -hmm. that's a really tricky topic to handle, particularly when you're positioning the clinical overview. 
in the clinical and the summary of efficacy. It's absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You mm-hmm. can't just rely on the rationale that existed when they started the study. Often it's changed. Often the medical dogma has changed over a three-year period. And you often have multiple interim reports as well, right? Yes. As exactly. they do different data cuts and they're waiting to get to the endpoints. Yeah. And when you when you're writing the summaries, those data cuts are done per CSR level. So you can have different data cuts for different CSRs, and then trying to pull that all together in the summary modules is can be very tricky. And it's it's often a point of discussion how to best explain that to the reader so they can understand all these different data points. All the different data points that are going on. Yeah. Did wh- how did you handle that? Do you have any suggestions? Um, I, I think the conclusion I've come to with most teams is just have a, a, a paragraph right up front in the documents, just giving them a clear picture of all the different data cuts. I think a table can help as well. Mm-hmm. And maybe even a, a figure, a simple figure, just to give them the timeline of where all these different cuts are. I think that can yeah, help. yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I know something else that, many writers might not have seen before they get into oncology are the Kaplan-Meier plots, which of course are really helpful when you're talking about overall survival or the time to onset, time to resolution. Um, And I think that's something else that we should be thinking about with our teams um, as we're starting to plan out the dossier. I mean, obviously you're gonna have them in the CSRs, but which ones are you gonna bring in? Which ones do we think are the most effective to, to really tell the story? Sure. And I, I think it's it's really valuable for a medical writer to get some training just on the basics of understanding a Kaplan-Meier, um, either at an EMMA training or I, I would say thanks to Barry for helping me understand those Kaplan-Meier plots. <laughs> yeah. Once you understand the basics of them, then they're, I think they're so useful to present some pretty complex data. Yeah, yeah. And um, you said something interesting to me when we when we were talking previously about how the medical writer can help kind of be the bridge from the the clinical expert who's very deep inside the whole area of the treatment and the disease and everything, but maybe doesn't have the big picture for what we're trying to do with this dossier for the purpose of registration. Yes, I I think it really helps as an outsider coming into the team because when you have those kickoff meetings to discuss the submission, you almost need the team to to pitch the drug to you. And doing that pitch to you, it sort of reminds them what the key things are that need to be covered in the submission and what are really interesting academic or scientific questions that are great, but they can be saved for publications. And it's really generating something that's fit for purpose for the submission. And and it's, I I think our role is trying to help the teams not going down some of those rabbit holes, right? You know, the interesting things you can, you can say, oh, fantastic. Let's make a note of that. And we can write some publications about it afterwards. But it's really not going to help us get the drug approved. In fact, it could be worse. It could start opening can of, cans of worms and you don't want the authorities coming in and saying, oh, you're right. That is interesting. Why don't you do a study on that or something like that? 
So I, I think it's it is really helpful to for us to take those those academic minds and keep them focused on the purpose of a registration dossier. I mean, that's true in any therapeutic area, but I agree with you. I find in the oncology space, <clears throat> frequently the, the clinical experts that I've worked with, maybe it's because they've just recently come out of academia or the, or the clinical space. And so they're not used to working in the regulatory space, but they are, they're very much into that, that mindset. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's there's so many exploratory ideas put into these protocols that there's just an enormous volume of data, and you really need to help them walk through and work out what are the key things for the submission, and then, as you say, what things can be later crystallized in a publication. Yeah, and I mean, part of the exploratoriness of it comes from the fact of what you said before that the area is rapidly developing and changing. And so, yeah, as people discover new things, new publications come out, and then the clinicians go, oh, oh, that's interesting. Maybe we should try this. And you're like, wait, no, we need to stay focused on what we intended to do right now, because that's all we've got. We don't have the answers to those questions. Oh, yeah. Regions, other regions. That was something else that you mentioned to me. Um, I, you were working on a program where they wanted to submit in another region and you had to talk to the colleagues about that. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think, as is often the case, a lot of these programs, they start off as a global submission, but then as, as the teams get into the detail, it, it very quickly becomes clear that you're not going to be having a single summary of safety, a single summary of efficacy, or a single clinical overview. There's just these subtle differences between the regions where it's just not possible to use those single documents. So then you have to have a discussion with the team how best to approach the writing, whether you have one master document where you go through and mark sections that are relevant for each region, or whether you, from the start, split it up and have specific summaries for each region. And mm -hmm. A discussion you need to have with the team and then, of course, to plan the relevant outputs for each of those regions. That's, and that really needs to be decided up front. Otherwise, you get to the end and someone suddenly throws that on the table and then, yeah, and your timelines. Right. Right. And, and so it's really important that we're, we're trying to steer the teams from the beginning to think about those things. Right. Have they already had conversations with the agencies they're hoping to go to? later on so that we don't have any unpleasant surprises because you know they want japan wants something very specific that we find out we don't have exactly. plan for and then you have to wait for somebody to go and do the analysis or whatever yeah yeah i totally agree so are there any other things you can think of that would be helpful to tell if you were speaking to a, a new medical writer who's just getting in you should definitely make sure you talk to the team about this or? Um, I think it's it's really key to just develop that relationship with your subject matter expert. So a lot of submissions I've been working on the, the summaries of safety, and it, I think it, it really is important to build that relationship with the safety lead, understand what the issues are with the drug. And of course, they're going to be so involved with the drug, they know all the history 
of all the clinical program and it's really trying to extract the key information from them to give you a good background that then you can use to start drafting the documents that's key right yeah the relationship building is so important when you're getting down into the the details of these complex documents um and I know that's that's what I always talk about, that you need to go in and really kind of tease out of their brains what their vision is, right? Because for them, it's all in there and they they know what they're hoping to say. And our job is to help get that out and put it onto paper and understand what pieces we need to pull together to help reflect that. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes the naive questions I've asked have sort of been a light bulb moment for the team and then... Yeah, that's then reflected in the submission. Yeah. Well, it's you're, that you're almost, you're almost coming in as a substitute for the reviewer who's going to look at it at the end. You're, you're They're also going to be there with new eyes and, yeah, you can almost perform that role in advance. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. It's a good way of thinking about it. We're like a, a pre-review, a dress yeah. rehearsal. Yeah. yeah, I love it. So really... I guess if I were to sum it up, the the role of the experienced medical writer is on, on these oncology dossiers is after you've wrapped your head around all the acronyms and the terminology and, and everything is just to help keep the teams focused on the purpose of the registration dossier and not get too caught up in the fact that, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things happening. And you have to reflect it somehow, but you also have to stay true to what what the goal was at the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and always that, have that always have that target product profile on your mind in your mind. And that's yeah. what you're yeah. yeah. And and that's that's a challenge unto itself, right? Making sure the team develops that TPP really early on, not not at the end. <laughs> yeah. Kind of making it up in retrospect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Morris. That was very interesting. I'm glad you shared that with me. No problem at all. It was a pleasure. So thank you for listening to Trilla Talk today. If you enjoyed it, please come back and listen to us again. If you have feedback on this or any of our sessions, we would love to hear it. In addition, if you have ideas for future topics that you'd like us to cover, particularly something you think the community should be talking about, let us know. We would like this to be an ongoing conversation with medical writers at large. And you can send us comments on our Twitter feed or on our LinkedIn page. Just a reminder, you can find all our episodes of the Trilla Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and trilogywriting.com backslash Trillotalk. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you.